In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts. Hey, what's up, missionaries? If you enjoy our review of Candyman, make sure that you go back to your podcast stream of choice and download our very special chat with the Candyman, Tony Todd himself. It is a separate show that is waiting for you in the feed. I will let you know right now it is completely uncensored and I'm telling you this so that you know when you turn this on in your cars or in the house that you best have the headphones on because Tony Todd does not hold any punches at all. So look for that in your podcast feed. Vince and I have a sit down with Tony Todd, the Candyman. Candyman got a hook on his hand. Cut your ass off. I'm in the mirror. Don't know why you go through a convoluted process to call a motherfucker that's gonna kill you. What? I've never understood that. Like Bloody Mary, like I never ever understood it. You stand in the dark and stand on one foot and say Bloody Mary's name seven times in the mirror, Bloody Mary will come out and kill you. Well, oh, okay, well. Well, why am I doing this then? I dare you to do it. Why would you? No. Well, it's a game. How's that a game? It is a game. It's fun. Where, where's the fun? The, Either you're sorely disappointed because nothing happens, or you've made the last horrible mistake of your life. Well, actually, you're not sorely disappointed. What are you? You never are. Because even if nothing immediately happens... Because you don't know exactly when it happens. Now you're just scared. Now you're just scared the and, rest of the night. And there's the fun. There's the fun. That's the dumbest. You're just sleeping on pins and needles. Yes, I like to sleep on cushions like a baby. Dude, it's fun. Yeah. Well. It is fun. I remember when I was little, me and my cousin. All right, well, this wasn't a horror movie. This was just some stupid stuff. My, my cousin uh, had convinced me. That late night on PBS, you could see naked women. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Which, uh, actually, you could. Yeah, I was about to say. That's true. That was true, though. But his his um, methodology for how you went about this was totally jacked up. Okay. So his method, what he said was that you stay up. Okay. Until... Because these were back in the days when TV actually went off. I told my daughter about that a few months ago. She was horrified. Yeah, can't imagine that, right? Right. Like, there was actually a time when, like, it went off. She was like, well, what what, what, what happens to it? <laughs> there was nothing. Nothing. It was just there. It just snow. It was just, but, but go ahead. TV so, went off. So TV went off. Yes. But then on PBS, soon after, it would come back on. Okay. And it would show naked women. So he comes over to my. <laughs> I mean, was it, was it like, was it a show or? 
Like was it was it a play? Well, it was like some, some kind of show that had some kind of show that had BBC naked women. He didn't know what the show was. He just right, it is right. So he comes over to my house for one. He's going to spend a weekend with us. We stay up on Friday. <laughs> Watching like Macbeth, <laughs> and the witches are naked. Right. Well, we weren't even watching. We were like, just look, it is. We kept turning back and forth to see when it, when it was going to go off. Because right, you right. knew when it was going to go off because it, it would show like the the Star Spangled Banner. Yeah, or they something. played it, the national anthem. Right. Or right. And then they had a flag. And then they signed off. And then, right. We're, so we were, we're like, signing off so we turned back and the Star Spangled oh, it's going to to turn off. Right, right, right. So it turned off. This is just. Went sad. to snow. Right, right. And then we sat there. And stared at the snow. And stared at the snow. Y'all was gonna fool around and get poltergeist. <laughs> Speaking of horror movies, we stared at that snow for about a half an hour. Did you really, Vince? You could not tell us that not once or twice. We both said, "I think I see something coming." S, 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 just sad. I think I see the business. Y'all should have been stalking the Benny Hill like everybody else. Honestly, this was before Benny Hill came on. Oh, this was before the right, days of right. Benny Hill. Oh, trust me. Right, because Benny, when Hill, Benny they, Hill came they around on. and they wouldn't edit it. Oh, it was a rat. Yeah. Dog. It was a rat. Every 1130, Channel 12. Yeah. Benny. Oh, yes. 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 Hill. Yes, Benny Hill. But you couldn't tell me that that snow wasn't going to turn into a nipple. Yeah, that's not quite Bloody Mary, but. Not quite. Not quite, but. But. Mm. It's my dumb story. Yes. <laughs> hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Michelle Mission Two Men One Podcast. Every black film ever made. My name is Len, aka the. Bat Tribble of Black Tribble's fame. And as always, I'm joined by my partner. Hey, this is Vincent Williams of It's All Soul. Oh, you usually say when the... I'm when trying the sh- to shorten it. I'm trying, you know. trying to shorten it? Yeah, you know. Boom, boom. Let's get, let's get moving. Let's get it rolling. Yeah. It is October, ladies and gentlemen, which means that we are right in the midst of our review of horror movie classics of the black cinema variety. Yes, sir. And today we have stumbled upon, by way of Vince's pick, one of the more classic of black horror films. Absolutely. 1992's Candyman, starring Tony Todd, Virginia Madsen, Cassie Lemons. Yes. And directed by Bernard Rose. Yes. But before we get into our review, let us take a moment to go through all of the feedback that we have gotten from each and every one of you that likes to hit us up. Some of you even follows us on Twitter. Yeah. Such as Will Will at Big Willie Girl. Hey, what's up, Will? Who, listening to the Beloved podcast, we agree for a change. (laughs) Do you think she's talking to both of us or just me? I, I, I think all both of us. Both of us? Okay. Two things, though. Okay. Anybody recall Oprah Winfrey as Bigger's Mama in uh, yeah, Native yeah, Son? I do remember that. 
Really? I do remember that. It it's not it, it's not bad. It's actually a pretty tepid ad- adaptation. That's not the, the one with um with Puff because that one had no. That's raised, sure. and that's a raisin in raisin the sun. Raisin in the sun, right? Right. 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 Okay. Uh, Big Willie Girl continues, and I hated that the scene of how Setha tried to have Beloved's gravestone engraved was left out of the movie. Yeah. Is that a powerful scene in the, it, in the it book? It is. It is. But, you know, there's so much in there that they left out. I, uh, you know, in, in, in full disclosure, it's probably because I am a man. There's a whole section about Paul D and the other Pauls that were at Sweet Home mm. and how they had been brutalized and, and you know, frankly, kind of brainwashed along gendered lines mm-hmm. that was cut out completely. But, you know, as as we said, it was, it was already three hours. Yeah. It was already uh, pretty pretty hefty. Yeah. Already, yeah. The, this movie. I, my, my, one of my dream projects is a beloved three-night series. Like a three-night miniseries. Do you think it warrants that? I think it absolutely warrants three nights. I think you need a whole two hours just at Sweet Home. Well, this movie is what? This was 1998. Yeah. So that makes it 20 years old. Yeah, I think you need two hours of those 18 years mm-hmm. between when Setha escapes mm-hmm. and when Paul D shows up. Mm-hmm. And then I think you need two hours of of basically what we got in the film. You already cast it? Have I already cast it? You know what? I haven't. But now you, you've got me sort of thinking, who would I like doing what? So it's it's getting made next year? Okay, let's say it's, it's, it's it premieres next, next year. year. So Setha, Setha is probably in her late 30s when it starts. You need somebody who could play young I, I know this is going to surprise you I'm glad you're sitting I think Anika Noni Rose could play Setha, could play <laughs> Setha. I think just pull that one out of the ether did you the, well you know I need somebody who's a magnificent actress and I also need somebody who looks like they could play themselves 20 years ago fair enough I think and I just forgot the brother's name he, he's he's actually playing Black Manta oh yeah yeah Mm. I forget that. I forget, I forget his, but I think he could play Paul D. I think Denver. I think it's a few people that could play Denver, but I just saw something with her. Gabriella Dennis could play Denver. Hmm, that's a good one. Uh, uh, Yaya Abdul Mateen. Yeah, I think he would be a great Paul D. You know who else would be good? The brother who played. Um, Killmonger's in my head, but I'm not thinking about Killmonger. You're thinking about, about Bushmaster. I think he'd be a good Paul D. Mm, I like this guy better. I think okay. I like Yaya Mateen better. And as for Beloved, that's the hard one. That's the hard one. Who do I think is 20-some years old that could play Beloved? I like your Anika Noni Rose. I would go, however, with uh, Uzo Aduba. 
Oh, that's good. Orange is the new black. That's a good one. I would go for her for Setha. That's a good one. I like that. I think she could play that whole range. Yeah. And I, I think I think what she's done in the Orange is the new black shows that she could play where Setha goes in the film. Right. But I think she has it in her to play all aspects of Setha. Yeah. In there. Like I think she could play Setha when she's the young girl Setha. Right. You know, right, if they if right. they do the flashbacks. Right. Things, well, you know? right. That'd be like eighteen years. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I, the rest of it, I, I agree with your cast. See, I don't know who is a real physical performer who's a young actress right now. Like, physical. Oh, I know, I know somebody. I know somebody who uh, is physical. Your girl. Who? Chewing gum. You know what? I was thinking Michaela, Michaela Cole, but I haven't seen her do anything serious. Yeah, man, but I think she could kill that. Physi- the physical the physical part of it, I think you're right. I was thinking her. Yeah, I think I think she would do good. I think she would do well. If you cast her, Mich- so it's Michaela Cole. Cole. You cast her as Beloved. Right. Uzo Aduba as Setha, I think you could cast as Denver. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pass, uh, cast as Denver. I was going to say Janelle Monet, but she might be. That's not. That's not a great look. I don't know if that's the right look. Um, she could play it though. She could play it. She could play it. I, I'm seeing her next to Uzo Aduba and. Michaela Cole. Mm-hmm. She could play it. She could. That's not, actually, it's not bad. And that's where my first, my first thought was going to, Janelle Monet. Yeah, I mean, now you, you, you're talking. Now you've got me, you've got me a miniseries yeah. role, man. Yeah. You know, like, uh, Oprah probably still owns the rights. Throw she it on own. Does. Yeah. You know what I mean? She should throw it on own. She should throw it on own. Yeah. Yeah. It's got, got a home right there. Oh. Get Ava DuVernay's team from um, Queen, Sugar. Queen Sugar. Oh man! To direct it and put it together. Oh man! What? What? Yeah, that's something right there. What? That's something right there. A beloved three night miniseries. Yeah, because you need two years of Setha in Denver living with the ghost. I mean, two hours of them living with the ghost. Mm-hmm. You do. Before Paul D even shows up. But yes, 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 yes. That's why you do this to me, Vince. Hey, I, you, what I do to you? You started it. Next, you'll be talking about the Partridge family in space. No, we're not going down that. <laughs> exactly. Not going down that rabbit hole again. <laughs> Rojo hit us up. Hey, what's up, Rojo? Just listen to your podcast about Stanley Kramer's The Defiant One, starring yes. Sidney Poitier and Tony Curtis. Uh, again, Excellent analysis of this very underrated movie. Thank you. Why do you think it's underrated? I wouldn't say it was underrated. Yeah, okay. All right. I found your comments about how race was handled in the movie especially noteworthy. It made me re-examine some of my favorite movies from that time period that also dealt with racial issues, and I found that many of them dealt with the subject in a more adult, often more nuanced way than contemporary movies, which tend to be too anvil-y. It also made me wonder some more about what constitutes 
black films. Right. Is it a movie about one black person? Mm-hmm. About many black folks? Mm-hmm. About being black in general? About black entering non-black spheres? Mm-hmm. Films with primarily white casts that have black subtext and or B stories? Right, movies right. made by black filmmakers and crews? All of this? None of it? Something else entirely, perhaps? <laughs> Well, Rojo, welcome to this conversation. We've been having it for two years now. Two plus years. Yeah. About what constitutes a black film. And thus, that's a, a part of this the investigation. That, that is in part of the, that the that Michelle is Mission part is of on. The investigation. That's why we always sort of scrutinize each film individually. Yeah. And say, is this a black film? Which I think will be um, very apropos for with the film. For this the- episode, Absolutely. With the film Absolutely. we're discussing today, yeah, uh, Candyman, which Damon Williams wrote, my my brother, that's right, that's my younger brother, wrote about how he suggested Candyman a while back. Yes. Glad you finally got to it. Yes, it's yeah. not my bad, Damon. Yeah, see, <laughs> blame it on your brother. See what I got deal with. See what I deal with. <laughs> I believe I suggested it along with Superfly, which I'm still mad as fish grease about the review, but that's another story. <laughs> see, see, <laughs> live with it. <laughs> I hope Tony Todd creeped you guys out as much as he creeped me out. Well, I have a clue how half of you feels about nah. it. Notice I'm not typing the name of that movie anymore. There's a mirror nearby. That's right. Stephen Tozen. Hey, what's up, Steve? Wrote that the quest for a streaming version of Candyman reminds me of your Searching for Girl 6 episode. Ironically, I read an article recently mentioning that media piracy is on a downward trend for the last couple of years was back on the uptick. And one of the top reasons was that consumers were having too many streaming provider options and no way to keep track of when a movie slash TV show rights change and moves from one service to another. Also, in greater irony, there's a new Candyman Blu-ray dropping in a couple of weeks, which I will contend is actually the reason. The reason why. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, real quick, shout out to Viva Video in Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania, which which is the yeah, suburb we, of Philadelphia where we found it, and had a really good conversation in that. It's, I don't, I'm, I, I want to say it's the only video store in the Philadelphia area, like that sounds crazy to say out loud, but mm-hmm. as someone who was looking for video stores, yeah, I think that might be the only physical video store. And I know that this is a concept in a lot of cities. I, I know in my beloved Baltimore, I believe there's only one video store left. Wow, really? And it has become this sort of niche market. Mm-hmm. Because of situations just like this, it's streaming. It's stream. Well, right, because and and you assume everything is streaming until it isn't, right? So, yeah. So yeah. So that that explains really why that that was a big explanation for me right. as to why Candy because there's absolutely no reason. Sure, sure. Candy Man is not streaming. Yeah. This is why because they're about to put out the the pop, Blu-ray, pop, Blu-ray, and then they'll pop it back in in a minute. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it makes sense. So, you know, I'm not mad at y'all. Y'all got to make your bones. And, you know, and, and if Tony Todd and Virginia Madsen can get a little bit of change in their pocket. I mean, hopefully that was in the contract. All that being said, it's time for us to get into our review. All right. Here we go. Time to get into our review of Candyman. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. 
Support Black Podcast. Greg Hill presents Minority Trailblazer, the podcast dedicated to minorities who are blazing a trail in a variety of industries such as education, business, comedy, entrepreneurship, and more. Greg's goal is to share their stories and hopes to inspire, educate, and ultimately encourage others to live with purpose and passion. Check out Minority Trailblazer, available on gregehill.com, as well as on SoundCloud and every place that you find good podcasts. Remember, support Black Podcasts. Have you ever heard of Candyman? If you look in the mirror and you say his name five times. In cities everywhere. Candyman? They whisper his name. Right. Candyman. It's just a story. Candyman. Candyman. Just a ghost story. Candyman. An entire community starts attributing the daily horrors of their lives to a mythical figure. The legend first appeared in 1890. He was attacked, mutilated, and burned to death. Poor Candyman. Helen, a woman died in there. Leave it. Everyone knows he isn't real. That's modern oral folklore. Everyone. Except Helen Lyle. Where did I... It ain't safe around here. I don't scare too easy. Wanna know about Ruthie Jean? They ain't never gonna catch him. Who? Candyman. Who is that? I came for you. Do I know you? Now, she is about to discover. What's behind the mystery? I'm sick. What's behind the legend? Listen, he's under the bed! And most terrifying of all... Come with me. What's behind the mirror? He's here. Candyman, you don't have to believe. Just beware. Candyman is a 1992 American slasher film written and directed by Bernard Rose, produced by Steve Golan, Adam Allen Poole, and based on the short story The Forbidden Mm -hmm. by Clive Barker, who also served as executive producer. The film scenario, which uh, is switched from Liverpool, England, as in the book, to the Cabrini Green public housing development, of Chicago's near North side and the film's music, which has been hailed was written by the composer, Philip glass. The film stars Virginia Madsen, Tony Todd and Xander Berkeley and follows a graduate student completing a thesis on urban legends who encounters the legend of Candyman, an artist and son of a slave who had his hand severed and was then murdered. This film considered a classic, which would then spawn two not classic considered <laughs> sequels is the selection of Vince's yes 
for this stop on the Michelle mission. Vince, what say you of Candyman? Well, I've joked about Candyman and, and talked about how Candyman scared me. And even with Lynn the past week, when we watched that, I told him I'm going to watch it in the morning. And the did you watch on. it in the morning? I did. I, the lights I, on? I did. Turn the lights on and watch it. <laughs> and I have to say, Candyman was not as scary mm-hmm. as I remember. Mm-hmm. I also have to say I am happy that we waited two years to watch it. Oh, really? Because I think that watching it within the context of the Michelle mission was a really fascinating exercise. Hmm. You know, as 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 a as a show that that we focus on black films and what makes a black film and 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 I think it was Rojo was talking about the images of blackness and you know how many black people are in it. I think Candyman is it's really useful to look at it through this lens because this is Virginia Madsen's movie. Yeah. You you know, I think we think about Candyman, we think about the image of Candyman and, and Tony Todd's performance, mm-hmm. which you, you can completely understand how, how this character broke out and spawned two sequels. And, and certainly when we talk about iconic horror figures, Candyman mm. comes up. Yeah. But when you talk about the actual amount of time that Candyman is on screen, it's not that long. You're well into the movie before you say You are 45 minutes into the movie before you get a vision of Candyman. Right. So in a lot of ways, you start from the perspective that this is Virginia Madsen's movie, this is from Virginia Madsen's character's perspective, and not to put too fine of a point on it, This is a film that is really part of of a white gaze. Like, just to skip to the end, I think this is a black movie, but I don't think this is a black horror movie. Hmm. I don't think this is a film that speaks to the fears of, of black culture. I think you know, just to start with the good stuff. Again, I think Tony Todd, you completely understand how he broke out of this film. Right. And and the, the, the visual and his presence and the voice. Yeah. And, and he, again, he's not in the film that much, but the parts that he's in, he is, you completely understand why this film is named after this character. Mm-hmm. Virginia Madsen, who does ninety percent of the heavy lifting, is is really good. Like I really like Virginia Madsen. We talked about Virginia Madsen a little bit before. You know, one of these actresses from worked through really the eighties, eighties. Mm-hmm. You know, the nineties didn't work as much as she should have. No, maybe no. Her star rose again um, when she got nominated for an Oscar in Sideways. Which was how long ago? Well, that right, was right. She already in, about ten years. That's, ago. that's about that. Right, that was in the twenty first century. And how much has she done since then? Yeah, unfortunately, right. So, yeah. but Virginia Madsen 
has a has a good performance in a character that is troublesome. And by troublesome, I think you you sort of get to the this film that where this is a film about a graduate student looking up urban legends. And and I love the way the film starts where where they basically have Candyman as a version of the Bloody Mary urban mm-hmm. legend where you know you say the name multiple times in the mirror and then <clears throat> excuse me she appears and and it cuts from this scene almost immediately to the scene where Virginia Madsen's husband who is a professor mm-hmm. of folklore and urban legend and he's talking about albino alligators and and the legends the urban legend of the albino alligators being in the sewers. Being in the sewers. And, you know, there's a person from Miami who's heard it. There's a person from New York who's heard it. And remember, this is 1992. So there is no internet. There is no... So this is really a word-of-mouth culture. Whisper down the lane. And that is fascinating. hmm I think Candyman runs into trouble... When this urban legend or this exploration of urban legend is then transposed to this project, the Cabrini Greens projects in in Chicago, the infamous Cabrini Green projects. And once you get into the projects, the film really gets creaky Hmm. and problematic really quickly and initially i wanted to say that this was a film that didn't age well Mm -hmm. but if you look at a lot of 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 the writing from 1992 people in 1992 said oh this depiction of black people as as superstitious and scared you know the depiction of of gangbangers and 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 poor people in the projects you know Reginald Hudlin talked about it Virginia Madsen actually joked at one point and said oh I don't know if Spike Lee would like this mm-hmm. but there are some really racist tropes about black people in this film where where you know again you have the you have the 90s gangbangers at the floor of the Cabrini Green, you you have the, this sort of faceless mass of black violence and 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 black depravity that that these people are sitting in. You have you, you know I joked with you earlier today. Cassie Lemons plays Virginia Madsen's fellow grad student, mm-hmm. and she's actually the most racist person in the movie. Like she says horrible things about black people in the through the whole movie mm-hmm. where she says oh the cabrini green projects i wouldn't even drive past them mm-hmm. i hear they murder a child every day in cabrini green mm-hmm. until the point where she goes in there and she actually says it stinks in here where i said oh she's channeling clayton bigsby from dave Chappelle. like she's actually talking about black stink right now and I know part of what Bernard Rose did was put these words in Cassie Lemon's mouth mm-hmm. because he was very aware that he was dealing with images that 
would upset people. You know, he talks about he went and he sat down with the NAACP and 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 you know kind of got their clearance, which you know, sidebar, I think it says more about class than race that everybody was fine in 1992 with this image of Cabrini Green and and these you know these black people who are superstitious and this, that, and the other. I mean, just the notion that the people in Cabrini Green at one point thought that this supernatural figure was killing people as opposed to the very real drug dealer that they show who was killing people. But nobody in the projects had figured it out. So then Candyman has to appear because this, 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 ex, this, this, exposure of the drug addict now means people don't believe in him anymore Mm -hmm. which again has set up this premise that nobody in this in this housing project actually understands that it's not a ghostesses killing people this is an actual person killing people and the police know about them but they can't arrest them the other thing is that even if you take the Candyman legend at its face, the makers don't go, don't have the the bravery to go all the way with it. If the story of Candyman is he fell in love with a white woman, mm-hmm. the racist white townsman murdered him, mm-hmm. and now he is an avenging spirit. Mm-hmm. But according to the people in Cabrini Green, he's murdering black people. Like, it would make more sense if he was murdering white people. And I suspect this was too much. And the reason I suspect it is because when you hear Bernard Rose talk about it, when you hear the producers talk about it, they talk about how they had to make changes and make adjustments to get the film financed. Right. And I suspect part of those adjustments was that you couldn't have Tony Todd killing a whole lot of white people indiscriminately. Like he kills a psychiatrist at one point, but he really is this menacing figure in the, the, the projects. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Philip glass. I think the music's great. Um, the direction, I think it's actually a pretty well-directed film. I, I think just as a film, if you don't think about it too hard, it holds up. I really like Tony Todd in it. I really like Virginia Madsen in it. But ultimately, I wish both of them had a better movie for these characters to be in. And to sort of skip to the end of of why we've sort of been talking about Candyman again, I think Jordan Peele could do something really interesting with this. Right, because he because apparently he, assigned he is, on to is, remake is talking it. about remaking. I think Jordan Peele could do something really interesting in this. And, you know, in, in a case of the Cosmos speaking to you, shout out to Michael Gonzalez. He he posted a, a posted a story about the, the anniversary of the character Omar mm-hmm. from The Wire, mm-hmm. which if, if you, you know, were obsessed with The Wire like everybody was for like two years, you know, Omar is based on real people yes who robbed actual drug dealers so that this almost folklore grew up around them mm-hmm. i almost could say i would like jordan peele to be involved and then i'd like some of the researchers 
who actually collected the data about the Omar, about these figures that robbed drug dealers and, and these figures who became not even urban legends, but just almost folk heroes mm-hmm. within these communities mm-hmm. and have that type of attention paid to Candyman. Okay. I disagree with you on some of your points here. Okay. My my nerd friend. Um, one, I'll say this right off the bat, and this is the only thing I'm going to say about this, because you echoed the sentiments of a lot of people speaking about the music by Philip Glass okay. in this movie. I found it distracting and boring and very amateurish. Oh, okay. I felt there was nothing sinister about it, and I felt that the the music lets down the movie for the most part. Now, admittedly, I didn't know that's because of this is 1992. So you're, so you're nearing the end of this trend of a lot of synthetic yeah. sounds in your music. And it's definitely in here, which immediately dates it. Um, but that notwithstanding, I still found it very just boring in one note. I, I didn't like the music at all. It, okay. It, it, I felt many times it took me out of the scenes. You didn't think it was gothic? No, I didn't. Okay. There's nothing gothic about synth. So, <laughs> no, it wasn't gothic. And I, I understood what they were going for. He missed. Okay. But apparently everyone else disagrees. So, that's just me. All right. I'll be out here on this ledge hey, by myself. Philip Glass and the Last Dragon. Well, I, can, I, underst- I, I, I understand some people may be seeing racism and some racist imagery in this movie. And I'm not going to say that there aren't some problematic things in this, in this movie for the most part. It doesn't, it doesn't strike me as being racist. It strike. I, I'm fine with the idea that this movie is set in Cabrini green. I'm fine with it, with their imagery of, Cabrini Green and them playing up the the reputation of the project as being a very fearful place for the people inside and for the people outside because that is the rea- that's the reality of the situation. So to me they're using in, instead of going to some neighborhood in Chicago Mm-hmm. And creating up the the character of of Candyman to instill fear in there. They're going someplace where there actual is actually is fear there, and there is reasonable fear for for the people that live there and for the people that don't don't live there. Now, you say that the Cassie Lemons character is racist and what she's saying i think i think she's saying i she is saying what if you lived around cabrini green in 1992 a lot of black people were saying that when they when they go by projects they like yo i try not to go by there i know what there's a lot of stuff that happens in there i ain't got, ain't got no time for yes there are guys that are sitting outside there and they are up to no good mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying now ultimately did these guys do anything to to her well, the guys that were sitting down down there when they first walk into the to the projects, yeah, they scared them a little bit. You right. know, they talk their mess, 
But they didn't do anything, mm-hmm. primarily because they thought they were cops. And they knew not to do it. And they, they wasn't going to do anything with cops. And, yo, that's real life. That's right. real life that happens at, at, at the projects. You know what I'm saying? Them walking up those stairs and her saying that, you know, oh, it stinks in here. That ain't black stink. That's the stink of the projects. The projects stink. Mm-hmm. And it don't stink because there's black people in there. It stinks because of some of the stuff that goes on in there. All right? And that's just that's just reality. She doesn't say, oh, oh my God, it's just the black people in here that's stinking. She says it, it, it stinks in here. And it stinks in, in the projects. And those projects, that they those steps that they were walking on, which were filmed on the sets of Cabrini Green, and something tells me they didn't add a whole lot of set dress to that, Looked like they stunk. All right. So I didn't have any problem with them, you know, uh, setting that there and using that realistic fear upon which to prop this urban legend, even showing that some people in there like the one drug dealer dude kind of try to subvert that urban legend for their own purposes right i kind of dug that especially in the in the light of the horror movies of that time and especially of that genre which were like you know the big menacing character um who will never die it's vengeful for some type of reason. And right. usually in these movies, all he's doing is going around killing a whole bunch of white kids that are trying to sleep with one another. Right. Right. I like that this one, this movie to, to some degree spoke of, you know, had some, you know, subtle social commentary on it, you know, giving you a history of Cabrini green, why Cabrini green was made where it was in Chicago on right. the other side of the more or less the tracks or the expressway, you know what I mean? Where they could uh, keep low income people there away from everyone else as she st- stood in this big place that was supposed to be Cabrini green, right? but they got turned into a condo. I actually kind of, li- I actually like that like little subtle commentary right there, right there. I-, I-, I appreciated that. I appreciated that little history being, tied in to this story you know um i actually felt and maybe i'm wrong but i actually felt that some of the story like yes there are holes a plenty in this story but there's some of it that i actually kind of understood where they were going what they were going for the guy who takes on the candy man moniker um, who's a drug dealer? Right. And it's like you know, going sweets. around. Yes, yes. Sweets to the sweets. You know, um, who because of that is instilling fear in this in the people that live in this project. That's why that that little boy, as far as in his mind, that's the can- that's the candy man that he knows. You know what I mean? And then at the end, even though the little boy was a little troubling because the whole time I spent wondering, where is his parents? Because this boy was just, he was just like, he was just everywhere. It's the projects. Well, I understand. But so, you know. Well, okay. I mean, you you just said you like the project. Do you like the depiction of the projects? Well, I like the. You can't ask questions now. I can ask questions. No, if these savages is in the projects, ain't no parents. 
Well, there are, well, there are parents who had Vanessa Williams' character, right, who right. was who was just trying to raise her son. You know, had her Rottweiler in the house by herself with a Rottweiler. Yes, <laughs> trying to do do her thing. How old do you think the baby was? Yeah, it looked like that. Maybe two, like two. two no, not two. It wasn't a two year old. I, could, I don't even remember it was what the baby an looked infant. like. So maybe not two. Well, maybe four or five months old. Yeah, maybe it's, it's, yeah, a, that, it's a very newborn. That she. Father abandoned her ass real quick. I didn't look. look. I know you didn't think like it didn't even come up. Like not for one moment did like no one ever said for like one second. Well, where's the baby's dad? Maybe he can help us. Well, you know why? Because unfortunately, that's real. Well, that's real. That's real talk. It's not. It always is. It's real. not always real, but let's, let's actually statistically we do better than everybody else. Maybe so, but it that doesn't mean that real. it's not real. But it doesn't mean yeah, that it's not well, real. You know. It's not. It doesn't mean that it's not real. I don't really know if, how much I trust Bernard Rose to deal with it. But go ahead. Well, I don't think he was trying to deal. Oh, I know he wasn't trying to deal with it. I think he's trying to deal with it. I think he was just trying just, to. It's just I'm gonna raise this baby right, Anthony, little Anthony. His name wasn't Anthony. That's how she said no, it. No, no, she didn't. She said she, Anthony. She, she said Anthony. There was not a th to be found she in that scene. She said Anthony. No, she was did. Not, she did not say Anthony. No, yes, she did because I went back and listened to it. No, she said Anthony. There was not a th to be found. No, no, you were listening in the daylight. If you listened at night, <laughs> she said Anthony. She said Anthony. <laughs> she said Anthony. Sound like Anthony to me. No, she's raising little Anthony by herself. Oh Lord. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Anyway, yes, I didn't. I didn't have any problem with it. Okay. I didn't see it as as racist. I liked that there was a, a, a horror movie of its time that dealt that had adults in it that were, you know, like I said, had comment social commentary on it of a, of a sort. It was adults getting murdered. Yes, for the most part. Um, like I said there were holes and like you know if you really start. Breaking down Candyman's whole motivation and his story, it made absolutely no freaking sense. That's true. Um, but Tony Todd gets over, he 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 gets the character over. Yeah. Just, oh, yeah. Just, just on his stance alone. Yeah. That huge velvet coat. That was a fantastic coat. That was a that was a that was a coat. That they they don't make coats like that. So I need to give me a Sherling. It was it was it was <laughs> Very, it was very lovely. He wore it. He wore it well. Um, he was he's easily the best dressed of these monsters we yes, have ever had. Yes, yes. Um, Virginia Madsen, like you said, is her film. Uh, I like the contrast between because Virginia Madsen has very soft figure, uh, so, soft features, and Tony Todd has very striking, harsh features so i like the contrast of those two up against one another i don't know it just all it always has just stood out to me in my mind um i even like i i even like cassie lemons in this how often do you see cassie lemons you know acting well anymore because now she's yeah, directing yeah. you know and well, who would have known if you've seen her in this that she had uh eve's bayou yeah uh and talk to me in her future well and, she's certainly acting because I love Cassie Lemons. And I was so happy when he killed her. I was like, wow, Cassie Lemons is acting. Because I love her, but I hate her ass in this. You didn't like her in this movie? <sighs> I mean, I thought... She, I mean, She was the worst. I, I don't know. She was the worst. Uh, okay, maybe. <laughs> and I still maintain... I'm going to go with you 
with the piss filled stairwell. Mm-hmm. All these black people scared of ghostesses, and they can't tell the difference between sweets and the candy man, and it's not a little boy. Like I even would have gr- would have gone with that if if they had showed a montage of children mm-hmm. who couldn't tell the difference. Be- but but this whole notion that there is this belief system in 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 the tribal village, I mean the projects where they believe in these things and they don't understand that it's the drug dealer using the imagery and then at the end they all march to her funeral and and grant her kind of um new status as a legendary figure is is a little it was a little troublesome this the march to the funeral was a bit much i will give you that that made no sense that actually made no sense you mean we just came out here to just to drop the hook like y'all could have went on your own right y'all really didn't need us to come with y'all i put on my sunday best to walk here also is the the project bonfire a thing yeah, I didn't know. I didn't, what was that? Because when he... He said, it's for the party later. And then he just kept talking. Yeah. I was like, whoa, I need more information yeah, I didn't understand about that. the Project Bonfire. I didn't understand that. I didn't understand that. I didn't... Um, what's that What's that um, thing they do out in the desert where they set the... Oh, Burning Man. Yeah, I, I thought that maybe it was Burning Man or something at the project. Well, as I'm saying it out loud, like you said Burning Man, then I thought Wicker Man. Mm-hmm. I think part of it is, as 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 you said, it's it's based on Clive Baker's short story, The Barker. Forbidden Barker. I'm sorry, which was based in Liverpool, right? Which of course has a long and storied history of folklore and and everything, and transposing it to an American housing project. Some of it gets lost in translation. Some of it. And, so and, that's, and, and that's one of them. And that's one. So this yeah. whole notion of the bonfire yeah, makes more sense in an English village. Yeah. But, than, but you know, he just went with it. I mean... <laughs> it, it. But it was a little bit, bit disturbing that when then at the end where the young boy comes down and seemingly all the boys, well, we know how to get this bonfire started because people are coming down with kerosene and gas. What is... <laughs> I'm sorry, Lynn, but this is a housing project of the white imagination in 1992 or the white in middle class black imagination. It's like, is people coming out with kerosene and what all do they think is going on down in the projects? Because the legend of Candyman says... Yes, that you burn Candyman. That you burn Candyman. And they... they, they, So everybody just sort of had gas And they thought that Candyman... Was in it was in was in the bonfire. Was in the bonfire. So it was the bonfire of the candy it's man. The bonfire of the candy man. Look, there are holes. <laughs> I will grant it. Yeah. I said there. No, are holes. you did. You did. There are man-sized holes. You, you did in the story that make no sense. No, 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 no. However, I like. I I appreciate where they were reaching <laughs> Wait, for. Let me say this. I liked it too. Like, like, don't think that you're saying I like it, and then I'm gonna say I didn't like it. I liked it too. I, I just think, I think it's fascinating looking at it, and I want to say through 2018 eyes, but apparently in 1992, people were concerned enough, yeah, that they talked about it, yeah, I, a lot, yeah. But I don't see, like, I don't know. First of all, Spike Lee, it's, it's very few movies that Spike Lee didn't produce that Spike 
likes. So True. I'm not going to go by Spike Lee's call on it. And appropriately enough, we talked about Tales from the Hood, mm-hmm. which was produced by Spike Lee. Right. And also had similar images. So, so again, I think there's a class component at play, too. Where, yes. Where, you, where, again, Bernard Rose said that he spoke to the NAACP. And they gave it the thumbs up talking about the character of Candyman mm-hmm. and how it was great to see this gothic figure and he's a romantic figure and he's bigger than life. And apparently they didn't look at pretty much every other black character in the film or they looked at it. And from their perspective, we're good with it. And you give it the stamp of approval. So, you know. I think there's something to to that. This sort of the image of poor black people, not only in the white imagination, but in the black middle class imagination too, at this moment. You know, in 1992, I, I think in 2018, a lot of us like to be a little bit more nuanced. But as as we've said many times on episodes that featured work from the 90s mm-hmm. there was a lot of hysteria yeah and it wasn't all white people right so I, you know another role and I wanted to look up look him up Gilbert Lewis who played the the detective yes Valento that she kept yes. dealing with I liked him in this I liked I liked that role in this movie because he was he came across very authentic right right well, you got the sense that he had been working this Candyman case. It's almost like it's almost like I wanted to see Candyman without the supernatural elements. Mm. Because now again, we're we're talking about something like all of those figures in in Baltimore's crime world that that had ascended to this urban legend status Mm -hmm. and then was they were folded into you know all of david simon's work and this is from city to city i mean there are legendary figures here in philadelphia that i've heard about just since i've been here yes yes. you know legendary figures in new york and and you i mean the name frank lucas Mm -hmm. if you just want to pull a name out who who these these are criminals these are bad men but they've attained this status and I think there's something to that. I appreciate the effort to bring Candyman into that. But again, like, like you, again, you know, talking about the plot holes, it's not even plot holes. It's deficiencies of logic within the framework that you set up for me. Right. Within your own, the the world you've set up. Right. 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 You know, you told me he was murdered by this racist mob. You told me he fell in love with this woman. That's what you told me. Therefore, if, if I think about how revenge works, it seems like he should at the very least be going after the descendants of the mob. But he's not out for revenge. Candyman just wants for it, and this is where I think he may it, this story is a little bit of a head of his time at least based on some things that I've read. Mm-hmm. In that the whole idea of that once the people's belief in him started to waver. Right. That he his hold on 
a physical existence um, was lost. Yes. And he had to reinstate that. He wasn't really out for revenge. He was just wanting to, you know, now he had to recreate himself because they no longer believed him. And the legend was, was dying. But that's my point exactly. I like that. But it doesn't make sense that these people in Cabrini Green would be the ones feeding this legend. Why doesn't it? Because we didn't kill Candyman. We didn't do anything to Candyman. Like, we didn't murder Candyman. Yes, but... but We didn't do anything to him. Why is he chopping us up? Yes, however, the story... Also, I'm more concerned with sweets and that actual hook than I am with this you know this story but while they didn't do anything to Candyman the person the story of Candyman and his murder which took place on the grounds of Cabrini Green right have throughout time become this folk tale this folk legend this urban legend this boogeyman sure that yes did did probably everybody there believe it no, but there probably were enough who who at least, you know, built up the legend or at least kept telling the legend and retelling it and retelling it to give it that much more, you know, in the spirit realm validity so that he could exist. And then once that is punctured, he no longer existed. But but my, and but it makes sense that they would feel that. No, no, no. But again, I don't understand how the arrest of someone that everyone knows actually exists punctures that belief. Because now with the arrest of Sweets, aka Candyman, there is doubt put in there out there. There probably are more there are a lot of people who's like, oh, Finally, they got Candyman off, and it it shifts how people are. The the I want to say like the the the, the, the public psyche of that project just enough so that it's a ripple that Candyman feels. That, yeah, that doesn't make sense to me. That's comic books. No, no, no. I understand that's comic books, but but even that, you know, it's sort of like the ongoing argument about Batman as urban legend mm-hmm. but like people see the car and and there's enough people that have actually seen him and and you know it's one thing to have different ideas about who this figure actually is but the sense that it doesn't exist it just doesn't make like it just doesn't make like either the people in the project have retold the Candyman story since since he was murdered mm-hmm and however many years ago, five, six years ago, Sweets takes up the imagery of Candyman because he probably grew up in Cabrini Green as well. Mm-hmm. And he said, this is a way to scare people. There's not one moment that the people who live in Cabrini Green who saw the rise of Sweets have not separated Sweets and Candyman. So if, when Sweets gets arrested, the only thing that really changes, at least as far as the awareness mm-hmm. is from outside of the project. So now we go back to what I originally said. This whole film is an exercise of the white gaze. Like, like it's just white people who are, ooh, well, Sweets is gone. Now we can breathe easy. Maybe Candyman doesn't exist. But from the rules set up by the film, everybody in Cabrini Green 
no sweets, and they know Candyman. So arresting sweets shouldn't do anything unless, again, you want me to believe that these are all some scared, superstitious, oh, lozy, lozy, what we going to do about these ghost Negroes? But you can't have it both ways. Well, I don't think the movie does a great job of dramatizing the argument that I'm making. So therefore, I can't pull the evidence. I'm going on by what I feel. And therefore, I submit. I don't agree with you. Okay. But I submit. I still like it. I like Candyman. I don't think you like it. No, I do like it. You sound like you don't. Like no, no, no. I do like it. I think, you, you know, we didn't. You know, you talked about the the striking difference of the imagery. Like I, I, I thought they really pressed hard with Virginia Madsen in her milky whiteness. <laughs> what? That's, like, at, that, like at one point, her bathtub actually—it looked like she was taking a bath in milk. That that did look a little absurd. I was I like, wow, they're they're really pressing down on Virginia Madsen as. As milky white princess, I admit that. that he's obsessed with. I admit that, but she, but she, but she has that same complexion in every movie. I know, but so you I, know, I can't. But it was striking. I do like it. I think if you don't think about it that hard, it holds up. But you really have to. You really have to put your blinders on it, and I have to say that. That are missionaries that have been with us for a while, like on a scale of one to driving Miss Daisy, Candyman comes in around seven. Oh, really? It's where would you put it on a scale of zero to driving Miss Daisy? Where would you put it? So wait a minute. So so I just want to make sure I'm understanding the scale. So zero zero I- is like medicine for melancholy. For okay. super blackness and, po- and and sort of well-rounded images of blackness. Okay. And then driving Miss Daisy is driving Miss Daisy, which would be a 10. Oh, Lord. Uh, <laughs> Where would you put this? I mean, I gave it a 7. Where would you, what would you give it? Okay, maybe it's, it's, seven's about right. It's about a 7. It's about a 7. It's like any moment that Tony Todd isn't on screen... It's like, ooh, this is tough. This is tough. (laughs) Vanessa Williams' whole character, her whole character was written by somebody who I don't believe ever met a black person. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I think the person who wrote, I think when Bernard Rose said he was going to write Vanessa Williams' character, he watched season two of Good Toms for research. Wow, wow, Vince. I I I don't know. Buddy. She's a tough character. She's a tough character. <laughs> I, I, I just an image just struck in my head. At the end of the film. Yes. When they walk to Helen's gravesite, Virginia yes. Masson's character. Mm-hmm. And leading this procession of the survivors of Cabrini Green is Vanessa Williams' character. Right. And the young boy. Yes. And the young boy is carrying Candyman's hook. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Isn't 
Vanessa Williams carrying her baby? Yes. Young Anthony. Oh, that's right. Cause she got the baby back. Yes. Okay. Because uh-huh. Helen saved the baby. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Because in my mind, it's like, didn't the baby die? But no, the baby no, didn't no, die. no, That's no. Right. When you look at his kills, Candyman killed the dog. Candyman killed Cassie Lemon's character, and Candyman killed the therapist. Right. That was all. Yeah, that's that's those are the only people. And then Helen. And then Helen kills, kills her ex-husband. Her philandering ex-husband who's sleeping with an undergrad, which I was like, I feel like the University of Illinois might have something to say about him sleeping with this undergrad that's in his his lecture. Mm-hmm. Got her moved up in the apartment. Mm-hmm. Apparently didn't move her bras into the apartment. <laughs> I don't think they made the trip. Hey, it's 1992 horror movie. Some things are forever. Do you know, thinking about this in 1992... And the practical effects of it all. Mm-hmm. The, one of the more famous scenes is with all the bees. Yes. Because Candyman is historically killed by bees. <laughs> so now he has bees all throughout his body. Which I thought that was a lot, but all right. He has bees all over his face. Yes. In his mouth. Yes. They start crawling on Helen. Yes. He is, holds Helen hostage. And they were actually live bees yes yes they were on tony todd's face yeah and in his mouth he he, he, the the commitment to this role now fortunately he had a good agent yeah yes sir he was stung 23 times and what did he get for each one of those stings? thousand dollars for every sting thousand dollars for every sting and those are 1992 dollars yes Meanwhile, Virginia Matson, yes, who had bees all over her, yes, got nothing for all of her things. Oh, except allergy shots because she was allergic. Oh, to bees. She should have fired her agent. <laughs> I don't know because actually Virginia Matson says that still this is the movie that gets her the most recognition. Yeah, I mean, and, and like you said, until Sideways. Even with Sideways. Even with Sideways. She said, this is the film. Then when she's in the airport, apparently all the, everyone, like this movie is prerequisite for TSA agents. Yeah. Because they all stop her and say, hey, Candyman. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, off the top of my head, I can't remember. She was in something. It was a computery type movie of the 80s. All I really remember is that Boy George did the theme song, Love is Love. Is that, um... Electric Dreams. It's Electric Dreams. That's exactly what it is. Boy George has a song on the soundtrack that's beautiful. Really? Love is Love. Okay. She, um, she's a native of Chicago. Oh, okay. She was in Dune in 1984 with David Lynch. Wait a minute. Yeah, she, is she playing Dune? She pr- played Princess Irunla. He was her, she was her, his sister. Yes. I've never seen the movie. Oh, wow. You've never seen Dune? I've heard it's I can't. a good, bad movie. It's... it's Because it's bad. Well, look, man. This we, is the one that Sting is in, right? Yeah, we're not going to go on to get into David because because the Dune people are almost as bad, almost, mm-hmm. as the Blade Runner people. 
Oh, really? Like, there are different cuts of Dune. Are there? Oh, my God. Yeah, because David Lynch's version, I think, is four hours. Jesus Christ. Yeah, the unedited version is four hours. Which I'm not going to say that I've seen the four-hour one, but I've seen it twice. (laughs) Well, she was in Dune. I forgot she was in Dune. She also was, um, of course... It says her most famous role, Candyman. Candyman, right. And then she was in Sideways. She was also in um, Ghost of Mississippi. I've never seen Ghost of Mississippi. A Prairie Home Companion. I've never seen that. The Rainmaker. You saw The Rainmaker. I did see The Rainmaker. I don't remember in that. Okay. The Astronaut Farmer. Oh, I don't even know what that is. The Hot Spot and The Haunting in Connecticut. Yeah, that sounds like something I'm not going to watch. <laughs> oh yeah, I, 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 I do like myself some Virginia Madsen. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And Tony Todd is another actor that I don't think has worked as much as he should. However, he is what besides Candyman, what is his most famous role? I don't know if it's his most famous role, but it's my absolute favorite role of his that I actually like more than Candyman where he plays the adult Jake Sisko on the episode of Deep Space Nine that I forgot the name of the episode but it's the episode where where Sisko dies Mm -hmm. and then Jake grows up without a father oh yeah and he plays Jake Sisko and it is amazing he is good in that yeah, is that the role you were talking about, or is there another role? I was thinking of his role of Kern in Star Trek: The Next Generation. Right, right, where he's as uh, Worf's brother. brother. Yeah, I, I like that too. I, I actually like him, his Kern, and the whole arc that Kern yeah. goes through. I like that as well. So I, th- that's what I appreciate for uh, Tony Todd, who also was the voice of the Fallen. In Transformer Revenge of the Fallen from 2009. Okay, I've not seen that. Me neither. Um, well, I think I actually did. And he was in Platoon. I do remember him in Platoon. I don't remember him. Oh my God, I probably haven't seen Platoon since I was like 16 though. And you know what other movie he was in? What? I know you've seen this movie. Sean Connery. Nicholas Cage. Oh, is he in Ed um, Harris? Is he in um? Because Nicholas Cage has the great hair. It's the plane, The Rock. Yeah. No, you're thinking. I'm thinking about Con Air. You're thinking about Con Air. Yeah. No, he's in The Rock. I did not know he was in The Rock. Yeah. And I've seen The Rock. Yeah, he's he's uh, Ed Harris second in the in The Rock. Yeah, he's the bad guy. I do remember him in The Rock. Now that you said it. Yeah. Surprisingly good cast in The Rock. Very good cast. Yeah. He's been making a lot of um bones on um in video games doing a lot of voices yeah i mean my god that voice in video games um he also was in final destination i didn't realize that and the episode let's see he played war's brother kern in star trek and on next generation and on d space nine the adult jake cisco in the visitor that was the, the episode. visitor maybe my favorite episode of deep space nine Hmm. Like my favorite single episode. Wow. That is a very good one. It 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 wrecked me when I saw it the first time. 
that's not my favorite episode. I can't remember the name of the episode. My favorite of there's there's a tie for Deep Space Nine as we get into a little yeah yeah uh, mini gonna, Spock adjacent here a sprinkle of Spock adjacent. Um, my my favorite tie for my two, two favorite is there's one where um Odo and Quark or it's not Quark. What's his name? Is it Quark? Yeah, it's Quark. The right. They um. They're kind of like stranded on this on this planet, uh-huh. and they got to reach the top of this mountain to mm-hmm. turn on the communicator. and And Odo is like almost like desiccating out there because he's it's so dry, yeah. and stuff like that. That I just like that exploration of their friendship. Okay. I just really like those characters. And then there's the other episode where um, Benjamin is like he's he's stuck back in time. And he's trying to remember, and he remembers Deep Space Nine, and he's writing out everything on the wall. Yeah, that's a good one. Too. That's a good one. I, that, yeah. that those are my favorites. Yeah, those, hey, are, those are good ones. Those are very. And he also was on an episode of Star Trek Voyager. That's who. He played Alpha, the Alpha um, Herosian, in the episode Prey. Oh, okay. So he was. Already- I'll have to pull that and watch that later. Mm-hmm. That's good. And he played General Rodick in the um, on Star Trek uh, Online, like one of the you know their online games. Okay. And then he would return. Uh, Rodick was a persona taken on by Kern after he lost the memories of his past life as Worf's brother in the Star Trek: D Space Nine episode Sons of Moog. Okay. Nice. Nice. Get that Star Trek work. Now, what was the last big thing that Tony Todd did? Big, like in in our geeky universe. Think the CW. I mean, was it? Did he play a Martian? No. Give up. Wait, wasn't he the voice of of Savitar? On the no, Flash, not, not Savitar. Um, Reverse Flash, maybe. Uh, Reverse Flash, also known as Professor Zoom. Zoom. There you go. Yeah. Okay. I did know that. Yes. Make that money, Tony Todd. That's right. Make that money, Work Tony. Work that voice. <laughs> Work it. Work it. Helen. Oh. It's always you, Helen. Oh. <laughs> Would you recommend people watch so Candy White? So creamy. <laughs> That's what he says. That's not what he says. My milk of magnesia. That's not what he says. <laughs> no. <laughs> I would. I would recommend. I would recommend. <laughs> oh, my white ivory queen. Skin like milk of magnesia. Hair like yellow corn stalks. Eyes as blue as the Iowa sky. I would recommend Candyman. Is it a black film? I think it is a black film. I think that if in the parallel universe where they didn't change the locale and they kept it in Liverpool, frankly, I think it's a forgotten film. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think the the alchemy of race in this film and and you know you know frankly I think part of the reason that the imagery is so troubling 
is the same reason it's so striking. So that it, there is something about the contrast between the two of them physically and characteristically mm-hmm. that I think changes if Candyman isn't black and if Candyman doesn't come from this background. I think it was awkwardly handled, but I think there's something, and you know, as, 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 as I said, I, I think David Simon pulls from the same energy a deck, you know, a decade later in the wire. But I think there is something there with this this concept of urban folklore, mm-hmm. particularly in a housing project, which is a self-contained space. Thought it was handled again very awkwardly, but there's something there. And and yeah, I, I, and, and it's a classic movie. It is a classic. I mean, movie. it's a classic horror movie. It really is not a classic black horror movie, but a classic horror movie. So yeah, I'd absolutely recommend it. It's a classic movie. I disagree with pretty much everything you just said, even though you liked it. I like it. I was fine with the imagery. I was fine with the juxtaposition. It's 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 cool. It's still disturbing to a degree. Mm-hmm. Now probably not as much, but still gets you. Yeah. You know. So I like it. Yeah. It and it's a black film. Oh, it's absolutely a black film. Black yeah. film. You should see it. Yeah. Not as scary as I remember. Not as scary. Not as scary as I remember. Not as scary. But still suspenseful. Oh yeah, yeah. Suspenseful and a well done film. And I will say this, and, and I wanted to say this about the Philip Glass music. I think the music worked really well in a dark theater. Mm. Because I think Bernard Rose just seeing the scene does a great job with establishing atmosphere. And I do think the music was part of that. So, but, but yeah, I'd absolutely recommend it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is our review of Candyman. Right. And now you said you have some, I've been waiting for two weeks for the movie that we will be watching next week. Yes. Yes, I have on our trip through the uh, black horror films. Yeah, oh yeah. As it were. Well, I just want to let, before we get to that, I want to let everybody know that um, if you're in the Philadelphia area, October 26th, you are invited down to join Vince and I at Malcolm Comics and Coffee House for a free screening. It is our third annual mm. Halloween movie night. Yes. October 26th, where we will be screening Sugar Hill, Zombie Gangsters. Zombie Gangsters. That's all you need to know about this movie. That's it. It's a free movie screening, 8.30 p.m. at Malcolm Comics and Coffee House. Come check it out. And then on that Saturday, October 27th, live on WPPM 106.5 FM at 1 p.m., Vince and I will be doing a live broadcast of the Michelle Mission as we do our drive to five, trying to raise 
$500 as part of WPPM's fundraising campaign. We will ask each and every one of you Michelle missionaries to help us call in during that one hour broadcast to help us raise $500. Yes, yes. And everyone that helps us achieve that goal will receive a very special DVD copy of The Last Dragon complete with a full-length audio commentary by Vince and me and special guest (laughs) Ariel Johnson of Amalgam Comics and the Black Triples. So, if you want that movie... Then help us make 500 bucks. Yes. All right. Now, Vince. Yes. Next week. Next week. I have got a treat for you. I'm looking forward to this. All right. Because when I started thinking about black horror films, I started thinking about, okay, well, just horror films in general. Sure. And what are are some of the hallmarks of horror films, especially in more recent days? Okay. Right. And the hallmarks of horror films are usually, and to a degree, some of it is on in display in Candyman. It's about someone who uh, just fights through impossible odds and then all of a sudden has one bad day. Yeah. And one bad day just triggers something in them and then they just go left. Yeah. Okay. And and thus the horror begins. Okay. That is the hallmark of so many horror films. Yes. Also Batman. And also Batman. Yes. Very true. Unfortunately, this person did not wear a cape. No. Okay. But it all it took was one bad day. Okay. Turn a switch in this person. And then horror ensues in this film. Okay. And boy, when that switch is turned, it's like you just don't know what the hell is happening in this movie. Okay. What we, what? And this is the film that we will be watching next week. Okay. And that film is Acrimony. Ah! I love him. <laughs> Oh, Lord, Lord. (laughs) Acrimony as a horror movie works, though. You'll be the judge next week. (laughs) I already know what I think. Oh, Lord, have mercy. All right. So... So when you introduce the film, should we just loop in <laughs> what you said before? <laughs> or or are you gonna have new thoughts now that you <laughs> Well I feel that is only right that I, you know, will subject myself to the film again mm-hmm. so that I might come to our review with possibly a new perspective. Right. And all jokes aside, viewing it as a horror movie, 
should be an interesting exercise. From from what I've read about it, the character almost turns into mm. a yes. Freddy Krueger type figure. Yes. So I think I think you know all jokes aside, I think this is going to be a, a really interesting exercise in film analysis uh, here on the Michelle Mission. Because we all know what you mean when you say interesting. <laughs> <laughs> That's next week, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Here on the Michelle Mission, which you can hear every oh, week. Lord. Check out all our past oh, shows Lord. on MichelleMission.com. It's also available as a podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and any place and every place a good podcast be, including the Podglomerate yes. network of curated podcasts just for you. And the show is available in a very truncated version as a radio show on WPPM 106.5 FM Saturdays at 1 p.m. Philly Cam People Power Media here in Philadelphia and Camden. And you can spend your Mondays with Michelle every Monday morning at 9 a.m. on WKDU 91.7 FM here in Philadelphia. Check out the radio shows. It's fun. But believe me, it'll just make you long for the podcast. <laughs> yes. Because the podcast is where it's at, ladies and gentlemen. If you're listening to the radio show, Get the podcast because you're missing a lot. But we still try and get, you know, fun stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's whatever. All right. We got to get out of here. He's Vince. I'm Len. In parting, we say. We'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu, it's been a pleasure knowing you, I'll see you when it's time to meet again.